Today's scripture lesson goes back to the Hebrew scriptures from 1 Kings chapter 19. Listen to this story about the prophet Elijah. Ahab told, King, told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. And so then Elijah was afraid. He got up and fled for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. But Elijah himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. And then Elijah lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. Suddenly, an angel touched him and said to him, Get up and eat. He looked, and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. Elijah ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him, and said, Get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you. So Elijah got up and ate and drank, and then he went in the strength of that food for forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mount of God. At that place, Elijah came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they are seeking my life to take it away. God said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. And then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. Friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
silence is golden. My grandmother used to tell me so. Often when I was trying to talk my way through something I couldn't completely understand. Now many of you have picked up on the fact that I am a verbal processor who's always searching for just the right word, who values syntax, who strives to expand my vocabulary beyond my standardized testing days. And I sometimes struggle with buying into my grandmother's wisdom. Words and phrases carry profound power. I've witnessed more than my share of stirring sermons and preachers who can take a text and make it sing. I've leaned forward in a classroom or a lecture hall or a theater, enthralled by the ways words spoken have painted haunting images brought ancient history to life, and have touched my heart and stirred my soul. Every day, I aim to listen harder and speak softer. And I realize it's not helpful to fill every second with sound, but if truth be told, most days I prefer music, conversation, and nature's melodies to silence. Now, I'm not sure what Elijah was expecting when the Lord told him to stand out on a mountain and experience the presence of the one true God, but I doubt he expected the sound of sheer silence. As our passage begins, Elijah's had a rough couple of days, to say the least. Death threats and drought, sword fights and supplications from the Lord and the king. Elijah has been fighting for his faith and finds himself fleeing for his life, way out in the wilderness, without his servant, or a steady supply of food. But God is no stranger to the wilderness, and the word of the Lord meets him there with a personal charge. But in order to experience the commanding presence and the still small voice of the Lord, Elijah has to withstand the strident sounds of earth, wind, and fire first. Now, to stay true to the text, I will relegate my affinity for the classic 70s funk band that gifted us with Let's Groove, Boogie Wonderland, and September. And we'll begin with the wind. This was no ordinary breeze, mind you. It was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces. God didn't start the conversation with a gentle rush, but with a mighty gust that took apart the very mountains where Elijah had found shelter. Now, one of my favorite Hebrew words is ruach. It's the word for wind, breath, or spirit. It occurs nearly 400 times in the Hebrew Bible, 
And for example, the ruach of God hovers over the waters in the second verse of the creation story in Genesis. There is a divine element to the wind or breath defined by ruach, and it's the word that is used in this text. So surely Elijah expected to find the Lord in that divine driven wind, but the Lord was not in the wind. While not all biblical scholars might agree with me, I think that the breath of God echoes every time the Holy Spirit surprises us and shakes things up. Throughout the biblical witness, the Holy Spirit is at work, demanding our attention through Pentecostal flames, visions and dreams, and doves descending, showing up in unexpected places, people, and events, the Holy Spirit stirs up the imagination of God's people to live for and believe in the world ruled by the love of God. Now, we find Elijah weary and frightened, and his imagination can't conceive God's goodness and love. The prophet is running from the persecution of the powerful, Elijah's running to defend his faith and debate his motive for living, and he finds the holy out in the wilderness, announced by a great wind. The wind, the ruach, leads Elijah to see and hear more keenly, to pay attention to the sacred dialogue that is about to commence. Just as quickly as the wind arrives, it is replaced by an earthquake. And if the mountains splitting and rocks breaking weren't enough, the Lord then shakes the ground down to the foundations of the earth. God has shown up as a landscape architect more than once, moving mountains, parting seas, leveling the high places, and lifting up the plains. If the wind echoes the force of the Holy Spirit, then perhaps the earthquake echoes the work of Jesus Christ. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus is shaking things up, questioning the established order, doing the unexpected, turning tables over in the temple. Jesus makes a simple meal of fish and loaves a miracle with leftovers. He calls a short-statured tax cheat down from a tree and converts his heart to sharing. He spends time with women and children. He heals on the Sabbath. He opens eyes and becomes known and familiar by breaking bread and passing the cup. We believe that he was crucified because he threatened the powers that be. But he had the last word and the ultimate scene change when three days later he shocked his followers, women and men, by dusting off his grave clothes and offering his peace. Now, I realize our text today doesn't dwell on the earthquake for long, but we are gathered here to worship because Christ is still rumbling in our hearts 
and shaking up our mindset to know God's love and to share it. Make no mistake, Christ is still in the earth-shifting, life-transforming business. And next, the Lord sends a fire. Somehow, given that this is the third sign of the power of the divine, I doubt it was a carefully created campfire. Elijah had no time to make s'mores or enjoy the warmth or flicker of the flames. This fire was present and then disappeared. And that's when the sound of sheer silence sets in. That's the moment that Elijah senses the full presence of the Lord, wraps his head, and moves to the entrance of the cave. That's when the Lord asks him for the second time, What are you doing here, Elijah? That's when the conversation gets really good. Now, Elijah had to experience the wind, the earthquake, and the fire to prepare the still, small voice of the Lord, to prepare for the fullness of the holy and his new mission. God used three forces of power to make sure that Elijah didn't miss his cue. Because we know that sometimes it seems easy to miss God's call. It's difficult to discern God's voice amidst the din and unrest of our world, our media, our minds. Long before Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter existed to distract him, Elijah had trouble discerning God's voice through the violence and suffering of his time. Sadly, we too are familiar with violence and suffering. This pandemic has brought up quite a lot of us to be more aware of the disparities and the inequalities in our country and around the world. And sometimes the news can be overwhelming. And like Elijah, we struggle to hear the word of the Lord, questioning what we're doing and where we're going. Many of us, I know I'm not the only one, many of us struggle to embrace silence. Now, Arthur Kathleen Norris writes about her experiment teaching art in elementary schools using silence and sound as a teaching tool. She made a deal with each class. First, you get to make noise, and then you'll make silence. It usually took two or three tries to unleash the possible volume with shouting, pounding, and stomping. And then the rules were simple for creating silence. Don't hold your breath and no funny faces. Norris writes, the only time she encountered a class that was unable to reach a point of stillness, she learned the reason why when she happened to arrive early for the class one day. Their teacher was shrieking commands at them, write, don't print your name in the upper right-hand corner of the paper, set a left-hand margin and keep it, use a pencil, not a pen. 
These children had so many little rules barked at them all day long by a burned out teacher that they had stopped listening, which surely is a prerequisite for silence. Norris writes, what interests me the most about my experience, experiment is the way in which making silence liberated the imagination of so many children. One third grader's poem turned into a prayer. Silence is spiders spinning their webs. It's like a silkworm making its silk. Lord, help me to know when to be silent. And in a tiny town in western North Dakota, a little girl offered a gem of spiritual wisdom that I find myself returning to when my life becomes too noisy and distractions overwhelm me. Silence reminds me to take my soul with me wherever I go. Today, today we are called to discern a sheer sound of silence as well to take our souls with us wherever we go, to focus on the presence of the triune God calling us to new places and new patterns and new ways of being. Our world is jam-packed with wind, earthquakes, and fire, and we are often overwhelmed by words, violence, and anger. Every day, we are surrounded by noise and the reports of fury and violence. It's enough to wear us down. It's enough to have us fleeing in solitude to a mountain, questioning what's next. But yet, we are called to listen with prayerful attention to the ways the Holy Spirit is still rushing in sometimes with strong gale-force winds and sometimes with a gentle breeze. Today, I encourage you to listen for the stillness in your life. We're called to listen to the way Christ is calling us to be the change we want to see in the world. Christ is calling us to follow and be disciples. Are we ready to hear? There are so many voices shrieking commands and howling their complaints. I wonder if we know how or when to be silent or how to take our souls with us wherever we go. Maybe my grandmother was on to something after all, even though I still need to process out loud with words. Maybe we all need to find times to experience the silence. We're called to listen for the call of a creative God who remains steadfast, no matter how often God's children disobey and disappoint and make a mess of things. We, too, are called to listen to that still, small voice like Elijah, called out of our safety and into the presence and love of God. Friends, can you hear it? Will you listen to the sound of sheer silence in your life? And finally, will you follow? Let us pray.
God, you are still speaking. You are still meeting us right where we are, no matter how our minds or hearts are troubled. We give thanks that your steadfast love continues to call us and guide us and perhaps even send us back through the wilderness with a new call. We ask for you to continue to send us angels and the encouragement to rest and eat and drink along the journey. For you always make sure there is enough for each and every one to nurture your creation. For this we give thanks. Amen.